are listening to the Traditional Outdoors Podcast. Hey folks, Steve Angel here, and this week's episode is sponsored by both Bond and Nick's good friends, David and Tracy Belowski at St. Joe River Bows. Now, if you're thinking about a custom longbow or recurve, you owe it to yourself to check out St. Joe River Bows. David and Tracy have been making bows at St. Joe since 2009, where they started out making the St. Joe River Bows Classic model in both longbows and recurves. And then in 2010, they premiered their Torrent Recurve model. Now, often copied but never duplicated, this sweet little bow is offered in a 54 and 56 inch versions, and its smooth draw and snappy performance make it the perfect bow for hunting from a tree stand or a ground blind. And if you're more of a longbow shooter like I am, well, they also make a torrent version in a longbow, which just so happens to be the bow my wife shoots today. Now, myself, I prefer the classic longbow, but all of their bows are amazing shooters, and all are available in numerous grip sizes and types to fit every shooter. If you're not sure exactly what you want, Tracy is more than happy to work with you to figure out which style fits you best. And don't forget about their kid and youth models that come with St. Joe's amazing trade-up program so that as your child grows, they can trade in their current bow towards a newer bow that better fits their needs. And for listeners of the Traditional Outdoors podcast, David and Tracy will still throw in a free St. Joe River Bows t-shirt with any new bow purchase. So when you call them up, be sure to tell them that you heard about them on the Traditional Outdoors podcast. Now let's get on to this week's episode. Welcome to the Traditional Outdoors Podcast, everyone. I'm your host, Steve Angel. I got Nick back with me this week. How you doing, buddy? Oh, I'm, uh, I'm doing. I did, uh, I was unfortunate enough to contract COVID, um, a week or so ago. And, uh, but I'm on the mend now. Everything's, uh, it sucked, but everything, you know, everything's, everything's coming back around and we're all kind of recovering here at the View House and yeah, hopefully we'll, we'll be we'll kick this thing and and roll in the next week and i'll get retested and hopefully everything is good but but yeah that's haven't been doing much outside obviously because of that real short of breath and stuff um but as you can uh, as you can tell i'm talking a lot more now and i've i've got my breath back so that's that's good so you know now that i've had it and i'm getting over it i feel a little bit better about it and and but, and gave it to your wife and gave it to my wife and and you know actually Mackenzie had it Aubrey tested negative I'm sure they both got it now because Jess tested negative too and then I'm she's coughing and stuff now so I'm sure she's got it yeah but but yeah you know we uh it's just one of those things we just got I think I caught it from my brother um visited my brother and uh just went up north to see the folks and he was there and you know we wanted to see him and and ended up getting it that's just kind of what happened so yeah well here here we are (laughs) what about you man i know you got a lot going on well yeah and i i I do well there's so many things i could say one um you know back early part of 2020 i thought from a from a health perspective covid was about the the worst thing i could I could find to worry about um and for so the first thing I guess I'll say is for for everyone that has reached out on Facebook with with comments and support thank you so much um for those that don't know what the heck I'm talking about right now um a few weeks ago um without going into a lot of great details my wife was just not feeling well um was having some discomfort 
and it actually took uh, the course of about a week to really figure out what was going on um, uh, but to make a long story short uh, she was diagnosed with uh, cancer and uh, things moved pretty quickly from there they scheduled sur- surgery to uh, remove the mass um, pretty quickly um, did a lot more testing um, and it uh, it ended up being uh, stage four cancer and uh, we're we're just now in you know she's back home um, she's she's finally getting some mobility back from the surgery she went out and did a few things today Bella came home um, this afternoon from school and and she and Bella went out and spent a little time so she's up and moving around again um, she'll start uh, chemo in a in a week or so and you know we're talking to the doctors there um, it's gonna be a long journey but she's you know she's right now we have you know no reason to believe that you know through a lot of treatment and potentially some additional surgery that you know she can beat this thing and that's what we're that's what we're praying for. That's what we're we're focused on. Um, but again, for everybody that's reached out, we we both truly do appreciate the support. Um, and I'll try to keep everybody you know kind of updated, um, either on Facebook or or through the podcast how how things are are going as we're moving forward. But um, it's just it's at this point it's just good to to have her back home and and you know have her where she wants to be and be be comfortable at least and like i said she is she is getting better but they don't want to start the uh chemo until she's um fully healed from the surgery so uh anyway that's that's kind of where where we've been i guess we haven't had a we haven't had an episode for a couple of weeks and to be perfectly honest it just my heart wasn't in it so i was better off just to uh um set back and and not try to not try to fit this in and and uh but we're we're we do have a guest this week and and bless this gentleman's heart he's actually hung in here with us and i think he's been sitting on this recording the the recording kit that i sent him to to do this episode for i don't know three or four weeks now but uh see he's he's as far as guests goes he's got the luck uh, all the luck yeah he, <laughs> he he does he definitely does have all the luck but uh but now that we've got all the bad news out of the way let's 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 try to have a little bit of fun and uh welcome to the show mr rob gillow how are you buddy oh we are having more fun than a squad of squirrels in a nut factory <laughs> well, that's that's a strong opener rob <laughs> that, is real a, str- <laughs> that is a very strong opener I, know, I, we kinda get, we I didn't know if there were kids listening or not, so I didn't want to go straight to the swarm mosquitoes at a nudist colony. But you know, well, we do try to we do try to keep a pretty clean show. But I think that will pass. <laughs> I think that will pass through the uh, through the filters. So we're we're good. If we listen to it and you hear a bunch of beeps, then yeah, we know what happened. You'll know Rob came <laughs> off the rails. <laughs> So Rob, uh, I honestly, and we were talking a little bit before we we pressed the record button. We had we had a delay of some sorts. So I, I won't mention who or what it was. Oh, you could say uh, it was but me. It's it, usually but it was, me. But it wasn't me, and it wasn't you. So, uh, but uh, I, you know, I I knew who you were just from from Facebook, and um, you know, Nick Nick. We were talking about you know different people we wanted to get on. Your name your name came up. So I know Nick knows you a little bit better than I do, but. For everybody else, I mean, tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, goodness gracious. Um, I've 
been playing with uh, the traditional old school side of things, traditional archery, traditional muzzle loading for about 35 years now. And I've been able to uh, play a little adventure and starting to uh, play overseas and in South Africa and, and uh, Canada and uh, with three curves, longbows and just having an absolute blast. Um, I started a business uh, in regards to the outdoors and uh, just living the dream. Well, to back you up a little bit before we jump into the present day, you 35 years doing this thing, man. What got you started in the whole all this, and how old were you? That's not a trick to get you to say how old you are. No, it's okay. I'm old. <laughs> um, no, 17 years old, and uh, one of my best friends in high school uh, said, uh, you know, Rob, you're, you're shooting. And when I started in the aspect of archery and everything, Okay, I'm going to get it out of the way right now. It was because of the Dukes of Hazard. You got to shoot stuff and blow things up with arrows. I was in. But <laughs> this is late 80s. And, of course, the culture was in the compound and stuff. And so sure. I got set up with a compound and started playing. And I shot every day. And she's like, you you just got to meet my dad. And that was Tracy Whiting. And she introduced me to John Whiting, her dad, and which then became my mentor. If you can picture a guy that's five, six tall and across the shoulders, beard down past his chest and a ponytail to the middle of his back to a 17 year old kid, I was like, oh God. <laughs> um, but he introduced me to the longbow and building knives and building arrows. And I immediately fell in love. And just to this day, I can still see those shots that he took on that very first day and the gentle flex of the limbs and just how quiet it was going in this white top dipped, three white feathers with two blue bands underneath the feathers, just spiraling out away from us and landing center of that target. And I'm like, I have got to do this and been doing it ever since. That's funny. Sure. I remember the first arrows that I ever saw shot too, like vividly <laughs> and who shot them. It's, it's funny how you're out of all the things you can remember that sticks with you. Even if you've seen arrows shot, you know, your half your life, you still remember that. Oh yeah. So, and I'm, I'm kind of like Nick here. I'm asking for a little bit different reason. I'm not trying to pin you down and tell your age or anything, but what what roughly what year was that, Rob? That was nineteen eighty six. That is that is so funny. So um I and it wasn't because of the Dukes of Hazard. I'll make that, that clear right now. <laughs> I was not shoot looking to shoot exploding <laughs> arrows. Uh but I started my dad bought me my first combo compound bow when I was sixteen and I'm guessing that would have been around eighty three. I have to go back and do the math, but that's pretty oh, close. Wow. Somewhere around eighty three, eighty four. So we're roughly in the same in the same time period. You mentioned you mentioned the black powder. Now how did you wh about what time did you get started in that and how did you get started into the black powder? Uh that was the same time. It was um with John. Um and he then of course introduced me to the Michigan Longbow Association and to Norm and Dave Blaker, 
Um, and oh, yeah. Norm was big in building muzzleloaders and, and helping get a muzzleloader season even started here in Michigan way back when. And uh, I've remained friends uh, with them. So add that and Davy Crockett and, you know, it, it just had to be. So, and mine was, mine was a little bit later. I would say I probably, based on what you're saying, we probably got into the muzzleloading stuff about the same time, probably within a year or two of, of, of each other. Because I hunted with, um, I hunted with my compound for a few years before I tried to do this. In fact, I swore I was not going to hunt with anything else until I got my first deer with a bow. And it took me a couple of years because I didn't, you know, I had to learn everything for myself. I did yep. not grow up in a in a hunting family, so it was same here. It was a lot of error, um, some trials, but a lot of error. But uh, uh, I saw a video, and we were talking about this before. Um, Nick, I couldn't remember did did I record with Jim solo? I did, didn't I? You, you weren't did. on that episode, was you? Nope, I didn't even know who Jim was. I do now, and I wish I'd have been there, but yeah. So, and most, and it's amazing how many people don't know who Jim Neighbors is because he, after he did his own videos for a while, he kind of got more into running the camera than he did actually making his own videos. But um, the reason I had Jim Neighbors on a few weeks back is he introduced me to, to black powder hunting with a, a video he did called Powder and Ball Whitetails which he has recently put out on Amazon and I scooped it up not right when he put it out, but pretty shortly thereafter. And, and man, that was, that was the greatest trip down memory lane watching him do that. And I, I've, I've been saying for, well, ever since we started this podcast that I would actually probably get back into black powder, uh, hunting at some point. And if I did, it would be a flintlock. I'll be perfectly honest. After watching that video with Jim again and thinking about, you know, how I started, I'm seriously considering trying to find another kit and building another uh, Hawkins style um, cap style black powder rifle. Um, the first one I ever had, that's how I started in black powders. I bought a kit from CVA and I was probably, I don't know, 18 or 19 years old, really didn't have a clue what the heck I was doing, but I sat down and figured it out and I hunted with that, I hunted with that Hawkins for a long time many many years and and took some pretty good pretty good deer with it in fact i don't even remember at this point what even happened to it um, i don't i didn't even know that about you yeah i don't think i've ever asked that you were that big into black powder oh i but, uh, yeah i've actually so i hunted with that and and shortly after that i bought um and rob will probably remember this as well for a while cva actually even produced a 50 caliber um handgun uh, 50 caliber black powder handgun and I bought that kit and built that and I actually took a couple of deer with that shooting a uh, god almighty I think it was a 450 grain buffalo bullet out of that <laughs> and man you talking about something that'll wake you up when you drop the hammer I mean <laughs> and you're but, talking the, the Kentucky style pistols yeah that Kentucky yeah. that Kentucky uh, cap uh, cap and uh, not a cap and ball, but you know what, what I'm talking about. Yep, yep. Uh, and was shooting those. I don't. Even, can you even buy those buffalo, those belted buffalo bullets, buffalo balls oh, yeah. anymore? Uh, so yeah, and I think it was it was either 405 or 450 grains, and uh, was shooting pyrodex at the time. And I want to say it was 80 grains of pyrodex. 
There you go. But I, I can just tell you, buddy, it it would it would knock your feelings out. <laughs> Short barrel, heavy bullet. Yep. Good morning. <laughs> a, a nice flash. It was nothing better than shooting that right, you know, right at the last shooting light. Because you didn't just get to smoke, you got this big orange ball of fire. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I took uh, I took quite a few white tails with that, and I mean it was you know just a blade sight. So you were you know you were talking about twenty five thirty yard range. True man, it was Kentucky windage. <laughs> oh yeah, well, see, a ton you, of fun. You, you got me beat because I've not yet harvested. Um, anything with a handgun so we're working and, on that and see well so if you if you ever want to talk about that i, I i'm i've hunted i hunted with handguns for many years um and in all honesty right now i've actually and i don't know if you have have mentioned this on here but a, a buddy of mine used to buy a lot of arrows from me up in south carolina uh he runs a, a has a gun store that he runs out of south carolina and um, the rumor is I've got a, a super Blackhawk on on order with him, but don't oh, tell man. anybody. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, man, I hunted with uh, started out hunting with Thompson Center contenders. Um, Just got one. What caliber? I've when I originally acquired it, it came with a two twenty three barrel. And I've since gotten the 14-inch 44 barrel and a okay. 14-inch uh, 410 barrel for it. So in the contenders, I have hunted with and taken whitetails with uh, 44 mag, 3030, 730 waters, which was by far my favorite round in a contender, uh, 4570. And I know there's another one in there somewhere, but I can't I can't recall. Um, hunted with Encores for a few years. Never really... I liked the Encores, but never really cared as much for them as I did the Contenders. I had a um, Virgin Valley Arms, which is no longer in business now, built me a custom 7mm 08 barrel for my Encore. And I hunted with that for quite a few years. But my favorite was always the Remington XP100. Uh, I had J.D. Jones build me a custom XP100 um, shill and match grade barrel, full port, magna port. Um, was shooting the his wild. Do you know who J.D. Jones is, Rob? No, no. Nope. You have to look him up. Um, I'm assuming he's still alive or around. I, I don't know, but uh, J.D. Jones is kind of famous in the in the contender world. Um, he's the one that kind of coined the phrase hand cannon. Um, owned SSK Industries, and he built me a custom XP100, but he did a bunch of Wildcat rounds, and my XP100 was chambered in 280 JDJ, which was a, a 280 Remington with a blown-out 90-degree shoulder, and it was it was unbelievable. Um, <laughs> and I sold, I've sold all of them now. I don't, I don't have any of them, but the last few years I've really started thinking about it again and one day, maybe I might I might get back into that, but I love talking about it. So, I just recently, I mean, within the last couple of years, got gotten into more of the the modern hunting, if you will. So, which means nineteen sixty three and before. <laughs> I can't even bring myself up to a good you know eighties or nineties rifle or handgun, but. 
Yeah, I'm, uh, I can't even, it's been, I'm getting close to 20 years now since I actually hunted with a firearm. So it's been a while. And now, Rob, you mentioned the MLA, and we can talk about that again in a minute, and that's kind of where I met you. Um, mm-hmm. Where did, uh, you've been You've been involved with Grand Valley Cap and Ballers too, right? Little bit, yep. Little bit. So do you ever go to any of those, like, uh, black powder shoots or anything like that? I have not. I have always wanted to, but uh, between, I was, and you don't know this, uh, I, I am currently married to to my lovely wife that we dated each other in high school, but she broke up with me, which does prove that she was wrong once in her life. (laughs) (laughs) I did not um, know that. (laughs) It was actually uh, 20 years later before we ran back into each other. And uh, so uh, I had two boys on my own. She had two boys. So uh, I was a single dad for a long time. So uh, I really started picking my battles and where I got to, to go play with these guys. So I missed on a lot of that stuff, but. Oh, and I never have been either. I've heard good things about it. And I heard it's a lot like a, you know, a traditional, traditional archery shoot. Um, right. Walk around can, wood yeah. shoot. Yeah. Yep. With the, and then there's the canoe floats and, and stuff like that. And cool competitions where you can't get your powder wet and all that other <laughs> stuff. And then I always thought it sounded really cool. Uh, but again, just, one more thing that I couldn't bring myself to just jump into. I, I same with you know I got to pick my poison and and go into four or five archery events a year is enough. So, yeah, and now being involved in the industry end of it between um, the shop that I work at and my business, it's gets hard to even make time for those. But I, I have deer hunted floating the river with both longbow recurve and muzzleloader um and that is definitely a ton of fun oh interesting so you've done that with a bow too huh yes yep i Uh i have a beautiful uh custom alan rothar recurve somewhere at the bottom of the raisin river Oh no! Oh no! On a on a December hunt with again with John Whiting way back when, and uh, a tree that was underwater and in faster water, and the canoe got slapped sideways and rolled us, and it was an all walnut riser recurve that sank like a <laughs> wow. Um, but uh, it it was fun because temperatures were in the 20s and dropping and we had a three-hour canoe ride before we got to where i parked my truck that we were gonna get out and get everything loaded so by the time that was all said and done uh, it was just that close to hypothermia we were both shaking so hard we could barely walk but we knew we had to get everything loaded so I started the truck, got heat and stuff going, got everything loaded up, finally got into the truck and I had a thermos of coffee and little Debbie donuts sitting up there. And through all of that, still talking about the giant deer that we saw that we couldn't get a shot at. And in doing so, John grabbed a donut, threw it in his mouth and instantly started choking. <laughs> and I'm, I'm 
I mean, we're in, this is the little Jeep pickups, you know, we're in my truck and I've got to bend over and I'm, I'm hitting them as hard as I can on the back. And he finally spits us up. He's like, great. I survive a dip in the river in the middle of December, 20 degree weather. and I'm going to die from a little Debbie donut. <laughs> but, and I thought our trips were bad. <laughs> Man, it, you know, that it, is... that's just one of those things where, you know, you hear folks all the time to say, you know, it's not the kill that makes the hunt. It's the experience. And trust me, that is one I will never, ever forget. <laughs> Man, he must have thrown that donut in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Again, we were crazy. shaking so hard. I'm not even sure he did it on purpose. <laughs> but Man, so did you So did you lose your bow closer to the end of the trip? No. Or... Uh... No. Oh no! You said you had about a three-hour three-hour trip. You said. See, and it, the worst part is, we got greedy. We floated the first part of the river, saw an absolute giant buck. John got an arrow into a, a nice doe. We recovered, floated them out, got out, got that loaded up, hung up, and we went. Gosh, there's another stretch of river. So we went and jumped into that, and we were probably 40 minutes into that second stretch that we actually, because we've never done that stretch. We never even fished that stretch, let alone run a canoe down it. So, Oh, man. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, that's a touch. <laughs> I would say that's a touch greedy. <laughs> just, just a little bit. Now, is that something you do, you do still um, when you do have time or, or no? No, to be honest with you, um, again, uh, just time and canoes and left and sure. And now since I'm, uh, how do we say this? Buoyancy challenged. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's like I, I tried kayaking once and the only thing that achieved was me upside down, bouncing my head off the bottom of the, the river going down. So I, I, I have avoided canoes and stuff since. So. <laughs> Well, if it if it makes you feel better, Rob, I, now I didn't I didn't lose my bow. Uh, I tried crossing a, a swollen creek several years back and got out in the middle of it and was doing my best with chest waders on uh, stand and back uh, pack on my back and my bow and everything else and got about midway through and realized the muck in the bottom was deeper than I thought and oh no it was. It was a seriously, I mean, honestly, it scared me there for a bit because I couldn't, I literally couldn't move. Yeah. Um, and the water was just like teetering within an inch mm -hmm. or so of the, the top of those waders. And yeah, and it, a canoe wouldn't have done me any good. The stream was, Nick's been across that stream. It's probably at its widest point, maybe 15 feet wide. Mm -hmm. But it, where we, where we cross is only about, uh, I don't know, 100 yards upstream from a pretty good-sized river. So when the river swells, you know, it just backs up water up into that, that stream. Uh, and I bought a canoe a few years back and kept saying I was going to do that. And for exact reasons of what you just explained, <laughs> I haven't gotten around to using it yet. And I do, unless, you know, I would say 90, 99% of the hunting I do is solo. Um and we don't have we don't have like you know swamps and stuff like that where you could use a canoe to get to you know islands and stuff like that it would be what you're talking about you're you know you're talking about using a 
a canoe on a river and I'm not the most coordinated individual anyway. So trying to keep all my gear and, and paddle a canoe in water in the dark. Yeah. It's just not a good idea. Yeah. Well, everybody started laughing at me because I was trying to do it a few times after that. So it's me canoe and a belly boat, you know, an inner tube around my waist mm-hmm. in the canoe trying. Yeah, no, it, it just, whoa, 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 whoa. wait well. a minute. You had on the belly boat in the canoe. <laughs> Well, hey, you know, better safe than sorry here. I mean, I think I just, I think I just pack it in and give it up. <laughs> I'm trying to get that. I'm trying to get that mental image. Now that had to be. I'm assuming you did this in the dark, right, where nobody can see you. <laughs> but we can run with that theory. I, 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 I think I, I think I believe it. Yeah, we never even hit it. the river. We got down there. I put that thing on, and they just looked at me and said, "No." So, so what I'm hearing no. from Rob is after his first bad experience of trying to to canoe hunt, he looked like the equivalent of the little kid in the Christmas story when his mama put too many clothes on him. So, yep, <laughs> yep, that's it. I don't blame you at all, though, because that's like my that's like my fear. Like I know I, I can be in a river, but I can't be on no. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't dig canoes, and it never fails. The minute you get everything on, you got to go to the bathroom, and you know. But so Nick, I'm sorry, and and I, he's probably gonna hate me for saying this, but for some reason, do you know who flashed through my mind when Rob was talking about being oh, in absolutely. the canoe with a belly boat on? Mr. Bob Bones. No, and I, uh, no, it no. was not who I thought about. Well, I've seen him wallow in a hole fly fishing. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but y'all seen me wallow in a in a in a mud puddle. So, that's um, yeah, true. No, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> some reason Mr. Mr. Sixteen Inch Mill Bastard file flashed in my head. Oh yeah, <laughs> I can totally see that. Good old Loftus. Let's see if he's listen- let's see if he's listening. Oh my God! Yeah, that was worth the price of admission, there, Rob. I'm sorry. I, I, I just can't picture anybody sitting in a canoe with a belly boat on. <laughs> that, that, that is too funny. Um, man, I don't even know how you segue out of something like that. <laughs> no way. There's oh, no it, but God, it just so, gets worse from here, guys. So I don't know. So. So that's your, I mean, you're, you're one of two people I've ever talked to that's actually done the canoe hunting thing. I know people have done it and, you know, I've talked to, um, Rob and Joanne Kruko about canoeing and, and the floats and stuff like that. Um, but it's just kind of like almost like a lost art now. Like a lot of people just, you know, you don't hear of many people doing it or even see anybody doing it. So uh, I thought that was really interesting. It's a little different, too. I mean, let's face it, back in the, the late 80s mm. and stuff, when I started doing all of this, you know, if if you were killing deer and stuff off farmers' property, they were they were happy as peach punch. Nowadays, mm-hmm. between so many leases and this, that, and the other thing, that we're pretty fortunate in, around here where I live is there's quite a bit of state land that still has that Raisin River flowing through it, so... The, the potential is still there to do it. The will is not there <laughs> to do it. So Sure. Yep. So what got you into... Uh, I know you do quite a bit of filming. Mm-hmm. Um, so what got you into doing that? And how long, how long were you 
you know, a field basically before you decided, I want to film myself, belly boat and all. I'm going to do all. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to capture all this. (laughs) Yeah. Try and get those screw in mounts into the belly boat sock. But anyway, no. Um, Actually, uh, so again, senior in high school, I, I just started into uh, hunting and, and that whole aspect. And uh, we had a career day um, that they put on in high school. And, and I got uh, one of the local gentlemen, gentlemen who is uh, Dan Fitzgerald, to come in and speak. And at that time, he was just starting the aspects of doing films and, and this, that, and the other thing. And introduced me to you know, some of the first hunting videos that I ever saw. And uh, I actually started doing a little bit of setup and filming and stuff for him back in high school. And um, it was also before I, I started writing because back then they didn't have spell check computers. <laughs> and my spelling <laughs> sucks. So, but I could film it and tell a story and not have to spell anything. So, yeah, I've actually, yeah, yeah about since 1987, so, and wow, I'm, so I'm 51 been... now, so let's just throw that out there. So you've been at that a while. Um, interesting. You're younger, um, so you're younger you... than me, so I don't, I don't like you anymore now. Okay. <laughs> Everybody's younger than you. Um, <laughs> So what is your what is your favorite thing to I know you do a lot of so you do a lot of uh, you do a lot of how to videos and whatnot. But when you first started out, were you mainly just filming hunts and whatnot, just normal, uh, just whitetail hunting or did you do any black powder? What kind of stuff were you filming? Uh, is Well, it resembled more Animal Planet now than it did hunting videos because <laughs> um, I, I did a lot of filming of stuff, but actually it took a while to learn to get everything together and to get actual shots and stuff on film. But, um, yeah. And I still have quite a few of them on VHS tape sitting down at the bottom of the filing cabinet in my office. But, um, yeah, so yeah, it was a lot of whitetail and small game and just that starting out here in Michigan, um, and, and learning to what it was to be an outdoorsman and hunter and such, and just started playing with it. So you kind of had to just, you kind of just jumped into it and just did it, huh? I mean, you said you had a little bit of experience helping somebody else out, but how, how did that make you look at the woods and hunting differently with a camera? Because uh, you, you weren't into it that long, you said, before yeah. you actually got into the filming part of it. Oh, yeah. No. And it was, well, first off, because I'm an idiot. But uh, that's a great way to start anything. (laughs) (laughs) Every great adventure starts off with because you're an idiot. But no, it was, uh, I wanted to learn for myself and I wanted to have more of than what just I saw. I wanted to be able to go back and play this and go oh now yeah i remember it went through that way or um that and actually one of the big trip overs for it for me that really got it going is 
I, I was a senior in high school, just started hunting with a longbow. I had just killed my very first deer with a bow. Um, and that was after four years of trying to figure stuff out myself. And it was uh, November 3rd, 1987, sitting in a tree stand. And it was one of the most magical days that I've ever experienced in the out of doors. I, I saw 15 different bucks that morning, had three different buck fights go on in front of me, saw bucks chasing does, everything else, uh, including a giant 13 point that stood behind my tree within 10 yards. And I was hunting in one of the, the uh, coveralls, like the snowmobile suit style camouflage. No, sure. And I could not, it would not let me turn enough to get a shot. But I saw all of this go on and it was so cool. And I'm trying to explain it to people with the beauty and everything that I saw in it. And I wasn't good enough to tell stories that well back then. And um, I'm not sure I am now, but they, they just like, oh, wow, that sounds really cool. And it's like, ah, you should have seen it. And so it was actually after that, that dropped, oh gosh, it was $2,000 on one of big VHS cameras and uh, everything else to, uh, and started filming this stuff. So I could share it with folks with the same scenery and everything that I got to experience it in. And that's really kind of what kicked it off. Ain't that the truth though, where you just, I, there's so many mornings I'll go out and I'll just sit there so many evenings and I'll just have the greatest, you know, greatest fall hunt in the world. And I'll come back and try to explain it to my wife and even, even writing and stuff, you know, it's hard to do, but you just, you just can't, it, you just can't do it. It's like either, you know, or you don't. Right. And and that's kind of what it boils down to. So I could totally see why that would get you to want to pick up a camera. Cause I don't know how many times I've been in the woods where, well, look how many people just take cell phone images today. As soon as they get out into the woods. Yep. Or they'll take it or they'll take their camera and they'll just do one of those rotational, you know, three sixties all the way around to show everybody what it looks like. And, you know, I think that desire to share that is, is, uh, is really strong. And even then it's, it's, you, you just can't, you gotta be there. Um, but man, I can't have, <laughs> well, for one, you had me thinking of the Christmas story again, where you're trying to turn, cause I have one of the, just Steve actually gave me one of those camouflage snowmobile outfits that are one of his old. <laughs> now you know why. <laughs> and I do. Cause I hunted with one of the deep drift a couple of years ago and I, I, that's the way I felt. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but that and, uh, I'm picturing that, and I'm picturing one of those huge boombox VHS recorders. <laughs> Man, because, you know, you, you think about it, and you're like, we got these little cameras now. But oh, yeah. so many people just don't understand how big those VHS recorders were. Oh, yeah. You, you were talking about the early Fitzgerald videos, which I think at one time I probably owned every one of those. But, you know, they, you, know you, you, didn't, you had to have a person just to run the camera. Yes. Uh, had those big, uh, what were they called, Betamax or something like that? I don't, yep. They, they had names for them, but uh, I remember seeing him talk about that. You know, he, I think he had a, uh, I think the one he had at one time was a Sony or something. He was talking about just how heavy it was. And 
and the batteries, you know, anytime it got really cold, the batteries wouldn't hold charges. I mean, just all kinds of struggles that it was we don't we take for granted now. 25-pound pack for batteries just so <laughs> you could be out there all day to try and film. Yeah. Let, let alone get that stuff up into a tree and, you know, the, the whole idea of the availability to camera arms and, and all of this stuff that you can pick up at, you know, big box stores and stuff now just wasn't back then, you know, and you were in metal shop putting stuff together to try and hang a camera. Right. So you mainly did the bow hunting then with that. You weren't into the, did you do any like, uh, you probably, well, you probably weren't going to set all that up for fishing or anything like that too. Um, you know, it, well, I grew up in Howell and Brighton area. So I grew up fishing Lake Chemung and that was my first introduction to the outer doors was, was as a fisherman. And when I was seven or eight years old, my folks, we moved to a little town called Manchester. Um, awesome little town, but, and it had a river, but no lakes or anything. And I didn't have a boat. So at, that's where I kind of transitioned away from fishing into more hunting and trying to teach myself that. Uh, so uh, e even today I get out fishing, if I'm lucky, twice a year. I, I enjoy it. I love it, but just don't do it very often. Mm-hmm. So you kind of, uh, you pretty much, as you evolved with, as a hunter or an outdoorsman, you evolved as a, as a, it was pretty much all recorded on camera. You, you evolved with as a, a cameraman too, I would imagine, right? Yeah. So what was that progression like? Well, cause I sucked at everything. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, my, my uncle was a big hunter and outdoorsman. Um, my dad and mom were not. Uh, I think I was 13, 14 years old. My dad took me on my very first um, pheasant hunt and we shot some pheasants and that was cool. And coming back, uh, I sh we jumped a rabbit and I shot a rabbit and my dad cried. So I'm like, oh, this is good. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, basically starting out in all of this, it was all self-taught until I found the Marty Stolfer videos and stuff, but, uh, it was self-taught and I was trying, I was just so excited about everything that I was experiencing and, and learning. And I knew I was in trouble because I was always wanting to share that experiences with folks. And that's why, uh, right out of high school, I became a hunter safety instructor just so I could share all of the passions and stuff that I had found uh, with others and so yeah they all kind of fell hand in hand but it was definitely a slow progression and a long time learning stuff the hard way I learned a lot of what not to do before I learned what to do right I so I'll just jump in. I was I thought yeah, Nick was no, going go to follow ahead. up, but no, I had, I had a frog in my head. Sorry, about that. no, go ahead, Steve. <laughs> that, that, that damn Rona is out to get you, man. <laughs> yes, um, man, it's trying to try to kill Rob's interview. <laughs> so you're know, listening to some of that, Rob, and 
you know, I go back and forth, uh, and I do want to ask you your your thoughts on this, but I go back and forth when I'm uh, when I'm trying to to help others, which I you know I love doing, whether that's through um, you know YouTube videos or through the podcast or face to face. I was talking on here a couple of weeks ago about a, a young kid in the neighborhood that's just really fired up about about hunting and asked me to take him and show him some stuff and. Um, you're probably going to get to see this kid because uh, I've already told him I'm gonna I'm gonna spend some time in in January and February scouting, um, and his his price of of getting out and learning some stuff from me is to help me with the the cameras and stuff. So we're going to try to record some of it. But um, you know I I'm torn between whether or not I really would have liked to have had more mentors growing up to learn from. Or go the route I did and and learn the hard way. And when I say learn the hard way, I mean made a lot of mistakes, but tried my best to always learn from those mistakes and not repeat them. I wish I could tell you I was smart enough that that was always the case, but it wasn't. <laughs> but you know, you I guess I would ask you if if you could go back to that kid, you know, seventeen years old. Would you rather do it all the same way again, or would you rather have had um, some mentors, whether it was you know just a friend of the family or maybe someone in your family that that was passionate about about the outdoors to 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 take you under their wing? Which would you rather do if you could do it all over again? Uh, in in all honesty, I I would probably would have preferred to to do it again with a mentor. Um, just because again it's that that sharing thing of, of learning and, and doing stuff um, again I, I was the only one in my house that hunted that had an, even an inkling of hunting and stuff so I it's not like I could run home and you know oh dad I saw this 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 and this because right. he really didn't care and, and everything else so um it was it was actually I learned that I would rather have done it the other way eight years later ten years later um, when I was first introduced to waterfowl hunting and uh, it was out on my own out on the state land lake and no dog no boat not sure what I would have done if I had shot anything other than strip down and swim out to try and get a duck <laughs> But uh, as, I, as I was walking back, I ran into a gentleman and introduced myself. And he invited me down into their blind with them for, to, to chit-chat, to learn about this. And they had the most coolest, elaborate, pieced-together plywood blind with grass stapled to it and everything else. But they literally had two egg chair swivel seats with props for their shotgun, shelves for their shelves a table in the middle between the two of them because they were playing cards, a bench in the back that had a Coleman heater and a Coleman stove and one of those little, uh, those larger propane tanks underneath it. And I'm looking at this going, hey, this is warm, you're comfortable, you're playing cards. I looked up, I saw ducks flying in, I pointed them out, they turned, they called, the ducks came in, cupped, Boom, boom, boom. Ducks hit the water. Dog hit the water. Guy sat down, spun around, flipped the bacon. 
<laughs> I, I gotta do this. <laughs> that sounds awesome. <laughs> um, but it was it was at that point I realized how much of of a solo thing I'd been, and that there was a com camaraderie. Yeah, I can talk. Um, in the deer camps and and that, and even though bow hunting and most deer hunting is still solitary type of hunt it's still that gathering afterwards and i didn't have that growing up and that's i've learned to really strive and look for that later so i think i i would actually really have enjoyed a mentor and having that sooner than a whole bunch of time coming in wet and cold and not right not Mm -hmm. seeing what night I always figured it was a great hunt if I had the opportunity of seeing game Mm -hmm. in front, whether I was able to get the shot off or not. I knew I was doing something right. Um, So the self-accomplishment was great. I wouldn't want anybody to take me out and say, here, you sit here. I I still don't like doing that. Um, But on the same token, yeah, it would have been nice not to spend so long before it actually started coming together. But and, and I definitely so I, I definitely get that. Um, and I think it's one of those things, at least from from my perspective. And this is this is something I've actually spent a good bit of time thinking about. I don't think you can ever I don't think you can ever go back there and really. You can't make that determination without being biased by your experiences. Um, right. Because I sit and think about it, and I agree with you. I love the camaraderie of a camp. Um, See, you can say it. I just can't. Uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> you know, Nick and Nick and I have shared a lot of camps. We've we've actually shared some pretty crappy camps. Um, but regardless of uh, of how the hunt went. That camaraderie was always something that you just that that's the high point for me even today. But it, when it comes to the hunting, um, I I know for a fact I'm more I'm much more of a solo hunter, um, because of the way I learned. And I mean I can even give you an example when I when I first started I was the only one in my in my family. My brother my younger brother followed in my footsteps. Um, and even once he got to the point where he was actually getting out and, and hunting, I grew up, we, we raised a lot of tobacco and had, um, we probably had, gosh, oh, well over a thousand acres of wooded land that we could hunt. And we never hunted the same area. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I would I would take him and drop him off on one farm and I'd go to another. I mean, it was just the actual the hunting aspect. Um, I just, I don't, I don't really like to hunt with other people, even to this day now. Tom, you know, Tom and I have hunted Wyoming together. We hunted actually twice. Um, Nick and, and, and Tom both have hunted here in Georgia. And usually when they come to Georgia, I'll just be perfectly honest, I'm more focused on those guys having a good hunt, and I just go and kind of sit in the woods. It's just um, – mm-hmm. and, and why yeah, – you're, you're always a guide. Yeah, Wyoming's yeah. a little bit different because then, you know, you're completely out of your element and – I, I you know I've loved both of those hunts I've I've done with Tom um but I'm I'll be perfectly honest I'm I'm at the happiest when I'm in the woods by myself and there's nobody 
anywhere near me or has anything to do with what I'm actually doing. And there may be other people out there hunting, but right. Um, and the same thing with hog hunt. It just doesn't matter. I mean, I just I love that solo aspect of hunting, but I love getting back to a camp with friends and and cutting up and uh, telling stories and swapping stories and making up stories. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but I still think, honestly and truly, and like I said, I don't think you can really make that that statement and be a hundred percent truthful to yourself just because of your experience. This is they they you know they they bias your your thoughts but if i could go back and do it all again i swear i believe i'd rather do it the same way i I really just there's so many experiences i've had where i've i've sat there and you know shook my head and 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 argued with myself or laughed at myself because i did something stupid i I still do that (laughs) and and but, but i wouldn't want to take those away if that makes sense, right? Um, because if I did, then I wouldn't be able to. I wouldn't be able to take credit for the successes, and that's. I don't know. It's kind of crazy. I'm getting a little philo- philosophical here. Another no, I, word. I, I totally get it. And, and absolutely, uh, I I get that too. It was, um, well, I was kind of an ugly kid, so. <laughs> Man, that's where I had all the time to go hunting because <laughs> if I was a good-looking kid my now wife probably wouldn't have broke up with me and I'd have been dating instead of hunting in the whole bit. So, um, <laughs> with friend would have been nice, but no. Um, so that, that's why, you know, I say now that, you know, the camaraderie and stuff would have nice to have been there instead of learning everything the hard way. Cause I can vaguely remember cause my memory sucks now, uh, looking back and going, God, what am I doing wrong now? And constantly beating myself up over it which is again kind of one of the whole thing that i love sharing and and trying to help people do the things so they don't have to beat themselves up as bad right (laughs) no i hear you i'm and and i'm pretty much right there too i wouldn't do anything different um I mean, I had okay. Mentors. I'm the oddball. Sure. Okay. <laughs> I well, you know, but like Steve said, that's because I, I did think it the one belly night. boat statement kind of nailed that down. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I think everybody can pretty much paint a picture of you without a picture at this point. <laughs> but no, I think uh, that you know, I I had um, I had mentors in the archery world, and I picked up a lot at the range and hanging around shops and just reading and things like that um i didn't have anybody you know go out in the woods and show me anything you know where steve's actually done a lot more than that and that happened you know four or five years into into my hunting career so you know i've had it i've had it kind of both ways but i mean i had the unique experience of yeah i went out and my very first very first hunting season in the woods i shot a I shot a doe you know with a longbow there was a little bit of a drought after that and I had to learn you know I've pretty much learned everything that way um and never really studied anything or anything like that now if I could go back I would definitely do that if there had been somebody there to tell me you know what you really need to learn this you really need to learn this you know that would have been that would have been good um but I think that you know, the only thing I think that I would have, if I could go back and do it again, my dad always hunted. You know, he always hunted with, you know, muzzle loaders and rifles. I, 
I, I would take it even further back and I would have, it would have really been a trip to have been able to hunt with him when I was younger. Right. You know, and, and I really, because he was there and, and he kind of gave it up because nobody was really doing that, you know, in our family anymore. And that would have been a trip to have shared, you know, grandpa's hunting camp and, and stuff like that. And I'd have experienced that really, you know, younger. And I think I would have gotten into hunting earlier had I, had I seen something like that. Like, I didn't know what that was about in the camaraderie and everything. And, you know, to this day, you know, camp, camp's one thing. And I love camp. Camp's more of a social thing. I'm like Steve. I like to hunt alone most of the time. Um, if I'm going, if I'm going to go with anybody in the woods, it's about that person at that point. Like, mm-hmm. I just want to hang out. And sometimes when you go to camp, you know, you're like, there's half the people in camp really want to get back to camp and they only came for camp. They want to be there for camp. And if you just want to hunt the whole time, you're kind of just like the antisocial one sometimes, you know, where you're like, well, I want to hunt, man. I'm here to hunt. Like, this is my prime stuff, you know? Right. Absolutely. And hunting yourself, you don't have that, that whole, like, kind of, it's not anxiety about it, but you're like, I'm coming in when I'm coming in. And Steve and Tom do this all the time. Like when we go into camp, Steve and Tom would be like, when he, they do hunt with us, me and Rob and John Bushine and, and um, Jamie Burkhead, they kind of just, last time Steve was here, Steve, you kind of just said, you know what, I'm going to go sit and I ain't coming back till tonight. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely the antisocial. <laughs> we didn't see, and no, you weren't, but it's true, I and mean, we were the same way, you know. I said the same thing, but of course, you know, I've got I've got text messages at 11 o'clock, breakfast is done. You guys got to come back. You guys oh. got to come back, breakfast. <laughs> I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> I got to go to the bar. I'll eat later. Put it somewhere, you know. Uh, but uh, it's just, it's all different different things. I think if I could do one thing, though, I'd really like to go on a hunt with my dad and, and get a deer with my dad. I think that would be, that would make up for all those years I didn't. And that's that's something I'd like to do. But it's funny how you have just different, there's different goals of a camp, I think, and different goals of the people in it. And it's kind of an interesting combination. And that's why I like it so much, though. I mean, it's just one of those things. You know, it's funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll, I'm going to hush a little bit, let Rob talk. But uh, Nick, you and I have hunted the, the hill country of Georgia. We've hunted barrier islands in Georgia. We've hunted Michigan. I've hunted with Tom in Wyoming, South Carolina. Oh, and you've hunted, I've hunted with you in South Carolina. Um, and, you know, yep. honestly and truly, I can tell you the the most enjoyable time that I've spent afield with Nick was that summer that you came out for that conference, and we spent a full day doing nothing but scouting on public land. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was just – that kind of thing to me is is – in some cases more enjoyable than the actual hunt because I get to spend out time outdoors and I don't have the pressure of the hunt and I'm able to enjoy, you know, just having conversations and, you know, mm-hmm. you know, have you ever thought about this when you were looking for a place to hunt and, and, you know, those kind of things. Um, so Hands yeah, down. it's just kind of weird. Just, 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 just a bit odd, I guess. No, I Not really, that, that is my absolute favorite part about, whitetail hunting and stuff is the scouting and putting the puzzle together and building everything in um uh, with my business I, I build calls and stuff and we build turkey calls and i absolutely love turkey hunting and 
someone asked me some years ago that, you know, if I had to choose between deer hunting and turkey hunting, what would I do? And hands down, I'd turkey hunt. Because oh, you're my, one of those guys. Uh. One of those guys. There we go. <laughs> because of the hunt. My right. favorite part of a uh-huh. whitetail hunt is the scouting and putting every, building everything together. Um, turkey hunting, and I imagine it's like elk hunting because I'm trying to schedule up my first elk hunt. It's a very interactive thing. So it's a always, what are they thinking now? I do it like this to get this reaction. Or, you know, I, I do these calls at this pitch and this they're responding to, but the older hen they're not and so on and so forth. So I'm weird. I, I love that constantly trying to sort things out and put everything together to have it come to success. And you're doing that during a turkey hunt to where in most of the cases on whitetails, um, you're doing that outside the hunt and then you're going and testing to see if your theory was right. I am, I'm so glad you said that because, and, and this is the kind of the, the thing I think Steve is, is missing a little bit about the whole turkey thing. No. Um, because I'm not missing that, it, I promise you. I, I know you're not missing <laughs> Missing was probably the wrong thing to say. Uh, but no, that's why, you know, John Bushin and I, that's the, our favorite time of the year is turkey hunting. I mean, I, th- I don't think there, without a doubt, he would tell you that. Um, but that's what it is. It, it's when, when, when the spring starts and even before the spring, you know, into the fall, cause he's pretty much thinking about it all the time. It's enjoyable to be out in the woods with John when he's doing what you just described. Mm-hmm. Cause he's, he's the caller. And he, I, I, I squawk, you know, I can, I can add into the flock, but I am, he's the caller, you know, he builds calls too. He knows how to call. He's, that's what he's doing, but he's explaining. I don't know how many times that's been more of a mentorship with me because, you know, I go out with him and I watch him work and he's explaining to me ad nauseum what's going on and giving me the game plan and saying, I think they're, they're over on the island. They're over here. They're, those are down in the swamp. Do you hear that splash down? Oh, look, that's a turkey roost tree right there. I went under that one time and they were, you know, he's telling me all this stuff that I cannot absorb all this information, but he's just kind of mentally spewing it at me and we're coming up with a game plan. And it's really enjoyable to have that. Just like when Steve and I were scouting, it's really enjoyable to be moving around the woods with a partner. And it's almost like you're a kid you know, with a friend playing a war game or something with neighbors or something like that. It's like, you're, it, that's what it feels like to me. It, it's really, it doesn't even feel like hunting. It's you're just having fun. Right. You know, and, and he gets us there and gets us in front of him, and it's the most enjoyable hunting there is. And we've said the same thing. It's funny. You mentioned that Rob about the elk, because we keep saying the same thing. John and I haven't been elk hunting and we keep saying, I wonder if it's like this. I wonder with more on the line, obviously. <laughs> and a little bit more money invested just bigger turkeys that's all just bigger and, turkeys and, and maybe we ought to get in shape <laughs> hey but yeah no you can need to have confidence in yourself round is a shape i am living proof <laughs> but uh so do you got do you got a you said you're kind of working towards it do you got an elk hunt planned i'm planning on trying to plan an elk hunt <laughs> Fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) Again, it's, and it goes back. And this is why I said this before. I I spent all of those years as a kid doing 
all of this stuff by myself, I would really like to do this with some other folks, but uh, Mm -hmm. it doesn't always work out to get a group together and go and and do this. So, Are you thinking about doing guided or self-guided? Self. Then you definitely want to get somebody to go. I mean, I will tell you... um, for for many reasons, don't get me wrong. I I think at some point I would I would like to try a a solo hunt out west, um, but I would I would strongly recommend, especially if you if you haven't hunted elk before uh, or hunted out west before, you definitely want people to go with you. It's God, I love that country out there, but I mean it. it there are there are times. I can tell you in 2018, even after, you know, three or four days of being just deep, isolated in the backcountry, looking around and going, my God, I'm so small out here. I mean, it's just, everything is just so vast. Um, Yeah, my wife insisted that like the belly boat, I wear a tether. So I have to have, you know, a mile and a half of rope, tie one to camp, then I can tie it to the back of my belt when I go up through, uh, find my way back home. I need one of those. <laughs> I will tell you this. Our first camp, Tom and I, was four and a half miles from where we parked our vehicle. And the feeling that you have of being isolated is both intimidating and absolutely fantastic when you Mm -hmm. i mean you don't hear you don't hear cars you don't i mean you hear nothing but your own heartbeat a lot of the time i mean it's i and i can't wait to go back i mean i really i I just it's i've i've since tried for several years now to convince my wife we need to move to Wyoming or Montana and she won't have anything to do with it but I keep trying uh, God I love it out there I do me too I go hun she goes no I go but I didn't even she goes no right, okay no but I get that uh, my first bear hunt ever uh, UP of Michigan Porcupine Mountains uh, me and a, uh, my best friend uh, through high school and everything John Marley uh, we backpacked five miles into the Porcupine Mountains and set up camp and then proceeded to try and find Black Bear. Um, he was hunting with an old Hawkins and I was hunting with a Maurice Cash longbow. Um, but it, yeah, it just phenomenal. And it's it's absolutely beautiful country up there. And um, and I, I was fortunate enough that I stumbled upon a a bear and would got an arrow through it and then i realized that we did not plan on packing a black bear out <laughs> uh on doing all of this so we made four trips back and forth uh and to do all of that but yeah it was absolutely phenomenal and unbelievable and that's a heck of a fun story but I don't know how much time you guys have. So, well, Man, I, you, I, I'm sorry. Yeah. Go ahead, Nick. No, you're just dropping uh, all kinds of Michigan Longbow Association historical nuggets on this episode. <laughs> You've mentioned Bleaker and Cash in one episode. 
I mean, these and Steve would Steve wouldn't really know this, but the, the, those are pillars you're talking about right there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I haven't, I didn't have a chance to spend very much, you know, very much time with either of them, or haven't. Um, but that's that's kind of a, that's a trip that you got to. You and did you did you say you had a Bleaker longbow too? Bleaker, yep, yep. You, I had one so of Norm's you, longbows. Um, I am currently trying to acquire one of his flintlocks that he custom made. But every time I get close, something breaks. And so, anyways. <laughs> oh, man. Well, that's really, really cool, though. I didn't mean to sidetrack this, but... Um, now, Steve, I'm sure you've seen Norm. Um, you wouldn't have seen Maurice. But that is... Uh, the MLA people in the audience will get a kick out of that. Um, and I did say we'd circle back to the MLA really quick, but... Uh, You've taken all this film. Did you ever get any video of the MLA? Oh yeah, you do. You did. Uh, we have video of when my oldest son was ah, what was he two and a half years old, going through and sitting on my lap shooting a longbow uh, that uh, Maurice had made and going around that's remember that's when they still had the the 2d targets or no they were a 3d target but the vitals slid down through the middle of the back and so you actually had to play angle and everything to find the vitals and it's when the invitational was an actual competition oh Um, man so that would be a now are you planning on do you have that like is that transferable to anything I am going to find a way to get more of that old VHS stuff onto digital uh, so I can play with it and stuff a bit more and go Man, back what? to some of those old memories of the gator swimming in the pond. And <laughs> Oh, man. I tell you what, there's a lot of people that would enjoy it. I mean, yeah, we've been – that's the one thing we kind of haven't had. You know, and, and actually, Steve, this kind of ties into when I first met Rob because uh, I was president at the time. I'd seen Rob before and talked to him probably once or twice, but he came up to me and he said, you know, hey, I heard you were, were, were working on a website at the time. And, uh, you know, I do a lot of video and whatnot, and I was talking about trying to put together some kind of a Michigan Longbow Association intro video or something, you know, some kind of historical video that we could put on the website to explain kind of what we are and whatnot and uh then then everybody got busy and that was kind of the end of it but (laughs) that's when i first that's when i first talked to first i first met rob so yeah i thought that was pretty interesting but i thought you know if you were filming back in 86 and whatnot yeah you had to have i mean because the mla started in 83 right so still down at wilder creek conservation league yes that's very very cool We'll have to we'll have to circle back on that someday when you, when you get a little more progress into that because I tell you what I, there's a bunch of people who I know would be salivating to see some of that footage because you know that's that's pretty special. But uh, well, I got you off on another tangent. There was, <laughs> <laughs> there, was a, there was a lot. I don't know. There's some folks that would probably be upset at that because at the time you know you just took baths in the creek there so. I hope you weren't filming all that. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure 
Rick Shepard or any of those guys want that to come back on. And oh, stuff, oh but no. No, 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 no. <laughs> just joking. Just joking. Um, no, it's the okay. Baths at the I, Creeks I, happened, but no. Uh, I'm sure Rick doesn't listen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, it's, it's just one of those things in... Uh, I don't know if you've gotten a chance to watch some of the videos that we've done and put out. And again, it's yeah. kind of my way of trying to excite people about the idea of traditional stuff, but still with some how to, and I'm fortunate enough that uh, between my business and the shop that I work at, we've been able to expand the traditional archery section and stuff there and muzzleloader session. It's starting to grow up again. Uh, I, I get to do this every day and I'm just having the time of my life and wanted to try and reach more people. So that's why we started putting that YouTube channel together. Yeah. Given you that, you know, you're doing, you're now doing that mentorship that you didn't really have. You're giving that to other people. And, and it's kind of like YouTube was almost like the perfect thing for you. Because you're like, oh, here's a way where I can finally do what I want to do. <laughs> I don't have to spell anything. No. There you go. And and what is the name of your it's traditional tips? Go ahead, give and, us the name of that. So it's traditional tips and trips. Oh, I thought it was tricks. It's trips. Nope. Yep. Oh, trips. Okay. So it's it's got you know some of the film uh, up through Canada. Uh, when I got to carry my. Uh, uh, here on longbow around south africa and and some of those hunts and we're actually my son my youngest son does a lot of the video editing and such and so i gotta jump on him but he's doing a phenomenal job we're, we're actually again trying to put together right now as a, as a dvd set because we can do more and show more of the fun stuff instead of trying to keep everything into a 10 to 11 minute clip for youtube so yeah you and, and actually they're really i mean they're really well done just i mean it, for a newbie i mean and, and you know in in on up i mean a lot of really good stuff there um and that's all all of that stuff I, I it's on your website i know it's on the um it's in the actual like episodes yep. uh what is uh what can you give us your url it's uh, gilloutdoors.com. Gilloutdoors.com. And everybody, so please G-I- go and check it out. L-L-O-W. Yep. And I'll be yep. sure to I'll be sure to put a link to both in the show notes as well, both for your website and for the YouTube channel. Um, oh, awesome. So Thank I'll, you. I'll make sure I include those. And one more thing. I actually uh, pulled this up while we were on one of our tangents, and I was going to tell you about it since you're – getting interested in the uh in the handgun hunting when you get a chance just do a google a google search for ssk firearms and the actual website is ssk firearms dot uh defense.com and i'm not sure what's changed there it used to just to just be ssk industries and jd jones i know um trying to remember he was he was he was getting on up in years when he made my XP 100 and that's been, wow. Uh, God, that's probably been 20 years ago now, or maybe probably, no, it's been more than that because I haven't hunted with it in 20 years. Um, but anyway, 
as far as like the um, <clears throat> the contenders and so forth, you'll get a kick out of looking at some of the the barrels he makes with that. And he actually has a lot of uh, wildcat rounds that are that are named after him. Any of the uh, wildcats that you run across for contender barrels that end in JDJ, that's JD Jones, and he's the one oh, that wow. started okay. SSK Industries. So I know there used to be a a 375 JDJ and a 309 JDJ, and there were several others um, that he came up with for the contender barrels that used um, the low-pressure rounds to get uh, the same velocities that you would get out of uh, modern center fires. Um, pretty pretty cool stuff. Um, and I don't remember, I don't think I ever owned a contender chambered in one of his rounds, but I did have that XP that was chambered in the the 280 JDJ and it was getting um I want to say when I chronographed it I was getting over 2900 feet per second with a 140 grain bullet out of a 14 and a half inch barrel I mean it was wow. it was hot I mean it was a an attack driver um I've taken I've taken a few deer with that handgun um out beyond 300 yards um with a handgun so I mean it was it was unbelievable how well that that gun shot but well, the reason this whole thing started is it. I know. I'm sorry, but I I I know Nick knows. I I love playing guide when it comes to turkey hunting and stuff. And um, one of the folks that I was guiding this year, and we did we did very well. I went twelve for thirteen. Um, my poor barber, we got on birds four different times, and we could not close the deal. But um, they're like Rob. You know, you know, what have you shot? turkeys with you know and i started thinking i shot them with recurves longbows compounds four tens 20 gauges 12 gauges 72 caliber smoothbore muzzleloaders i'd never killed one with a pistol and so that's what started my search this year for that contender with a 410 barrel oh okay and I gotcha. uh then i went you know i've done almost the same thing on deer I've never shot a deer with a handgun either so well, I will tell you this: if you if you if you look to hunt with a handgun for whitetails, and you can find a seven thirty waters barrel, um, I promise you, you will be you will be tickled to death with it. It, it. it was hands down my absolute favorite, and I shot in a contender, and I shot a lot of different calibers in a contender, and that little seven thirty waters was just amazing. Um, if you can still find the barrels for. Them. And thirty thirty brass is everywhere, so that was the best part about it from a reloading perspective. There um, we go. What what I discovered is out of that forty four mag, that hurts. <laughs> try forty five seventy. Yeah, uh, I can imagine. I so I had the I had the what they called the hunter barrel in a forty five seventy, and I think it was a fifteen inch, but it could have been a fourteen with the um with the muzzle brake on it mm -hmm. but uh even shooting you know the the stock ammo that's pretty much toned down because of the old trapdoor rifles um that thing would i mean it would you you had to you had to shoot that one like a like a boxer you had to roll with a punch or it would just it would <laughs> it would eat your lunch i mean it 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 was a handful um but I really enjoyed shooting it. <laughs> I, shot a, yeah. I shot a lot of rounds through mine. And I will it's a, I shot one deer with it, and I'll be honest with you, I felt so bad for the poor for the poor deer. I never shot I never hunted with it again for whitetails. 
because um, it's just a man it's a beast and we do that to ourselves i know and we were talking back to mla and everything back in the 80s when i was introduced to this and got started you know uh, fred was still alive um he was there in 85 or 86 and of course the 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 thought process in there was you know 65 pounds was what you you know should be shooting for recurves and longbows you know if you were less than that then yeah, that was a kid's bow you know and so you know i'm young strapping <laughs> ugly kid <laughs> um <laughs> so I, I immediately kicked off with a 76 pound tim miggs longbow mm-hmm. and then uh, the maurice cash bow was 75 and then I had acquired a 93-pound Damien Howitt. And those were all the bows that, you know, I started hunting with. And God, that hurt. Two shoulder surgeries later. <laughs> and, you know, I'm so, uh, down to a comfortable 50, 55 pounds. But. I must confess, I've been hunting with bows in excess of, uh, in excess of 70 pounds now for probably 15 years and i still shoot a uh, the bow that i hunt with pretty much 90 percent of the time is is 69 at 28 but i still hunt quite a bit with i've got a several that are 73 at 28 um and i'll knock on wood i you know i've never had so much as a sore shoulder from shooting now i've i've hurt my shoulder doing other stupid things um but but never from i've been i, I don't know if i'm lucky or if i'm just doing something right or, or built differently but um i still like my heavy longbows oh no i and i'm with you on that mine came more from i, I actually spent several years uh running a little bit doing the rodeo circuit bull riding when i was a kid and that did a heck oh, yeah, of a lot more mess your shoulders up. messing up my shoulder up more than than longbow that just added to sure, it though sure <laughs> bull riding what haven't you done, Rob? <laughs> I, I have been fortunate enough to live a, a rather a, eventful, exciting life. Um, yeah, work has taken me everything from babysitting to taxidermy. Um, I spent four years on a country concert tour being lead singer. Uh, I've rodeoed. I've... Um, I get to work at archery pro shops and gun shops and make calls and sense and everything to help everybody else be successful in the outdoors and put together articles and videos and all sorts of other stupid stuff and bounced upside down from uh, down the river from a kayak. Here's the question though, Rob, (laughs) because this is, this is the question that all of our listeners at this point are going to want to know. And then we're gonna we're gonna wrap this thing up and let you go. But I have to ask it: Were you bull riding with an inner tube? <laughs> <laughs> okay, you asked it on two occasions, and there may or may not be video of this. Uh, I did get to play rodeo clown, which is a whole different thing, and we got to play a little game of rodeo poker which if you've ever seen rodeo poker, 
imagine a circle in the middle of a ring. Five guys sitting around a table playing cards. Why, they let a bull out and decides it wants to destroy your everything. And yes, I was wearing an inner tube. And yes, I may have tried to dive into one of the barrels forgetting that you had an inner tube. I was strap. wearing the inner tube. <laughs> so as this bull hits the barrel, you see nothing but barrel flying inner tube and feet kicking where's the ground where's the ground <laughs> so you've mentioned your wife a couple of times in this podcast rob please tell me that she has a a really good insurance policy on you <laughs> <laughs> when i got to uh to go to south africa i'm pretty sure the insurance she put out on me cost more than the the hunt itself yeah that's so that sounds like my wife she's like yeah he's gonna do something stupid let's do this <laughs> It's 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 a given, right? About the time that she caught me when we were out west on a trip and I was belly crawling up on a herd of buffalo and got within 20 yards of a few big bulls, and I went, this is awesome, and then realized that they were kind of semi around me and realized I could easily be stomped to snail snot and still thought it was the coolest thing in the world. Yeah, I, that's when she started doing the advanced insurances and stuff, yeah. Yeah, mine, mine's kind of the same way, kind of the same <laughs> way. Well, Rob, we've we've kept you actually a little bit longer than I actually intended, so my apologies for that, but we've really enjoyed, we've really enjoyed chatting with you. No, not a problem. We didn't even get into any of the funny hunting stories. Well, we'll have to oh, do it gosh. again then. So, so you'll, you'll have to jot down a few of those those funny hunting stories, and we'll just we'll have to do this again in a month or two. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, like the doe I shot last weekend falling out of a chair. The doe fell out of a chair? No, I, I don't think I would have shot it while it was falling like, out of a chair, Rob. It wasn't the initial plan, <laughs> but the initial plan wasn't having it run up and stop six feet in front of my ground blind. And so that started a whole array of, I don't, yeah. Well, I always, I, I always, I always tell Nick, y'all, y'all do stuff different up there in Michigan. But I, <laughs> I I've, say, I've I never seen a doe sitting in a chair, so yeah, we'll have to follow up on that one later. I think you're filming the wrong thing in the hunt. I think you got to turn the camera around and just keep it on you at all times. <laughs> I'm trying to educate, not scare. Okay. Well, thank we'll, you so much, Rob. Yeah, it's thank been great. you. And we, oh, it's been phenomenal, guys. Thanks. We will definitely get together and do the we'll we'll do the hunting stories episode in a in a few months. All right. <laughs> Sounds like a definite plan. All right, for everyone listening, we hope you've enjoyed this as much as we have, and we will be back with you in a, with another episode in a week or two. Take care, all. <laughs>